clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I am the Jeremiah James, the greatest of all Jeremiah James that you all may know. Probably only me, so I'm the greatest. Right, Doc? I, I, sure. And I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. <laughs> there it is. There's the tagline. <laughs> and we're back, folks. Hope you are all well. Hope you had a good time listening to our roundtable episode with the epic best friend in the whole wide world, Laura Rademacher. And I hope you checked out her book from the last episode. Right, Doc? Yes. It's always a joy to have Laura join. She's so fantastic, right? She is fantastic. You're fantastic. And of course, having Greg was fantastic. It's so... always fantastic to have Greg. Okay. Okay. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us today, Doc. Okay. Let's just get yep. through it. Let's just get through it. We will. We will. <laughs> I feel confident. So uh, we had a listener write in, and we've done this type of episode before. And so we're really excited to uh, go through this email that was sent to us. And yeah, just... I thought it was – she brought up some great stuff. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I am too, actually. And uh, it's a little bit – you know, on the longer side of me reading, I don't think I've read something this long like that wasn't read to me from like an audiobook perspective probably since the ninth grade. But I'm going to, you know, do my due diligence <laughs> it's not here. That, it's not that long. She took her time to be thorough. Nobody's saying that it's that long. I'm saying for me, it's that long. She didn't do okay. it. Like what she wrote is totally fine. But for somebody like me, it's really long. Okay. So I just want to okay. make that very clear to our anonymous person. So thank you so much for writing in. We're going to call you Anonymous D. And thank you so much, Anonymous D, for writing this letter. And then the doc is going to give us a breakdown. We're going to break down, a break to break, a break down, break it down, doc. Right? Like, like if it was a rap. Do you feel it? This is what the kids are doing now. I have no idea what just happened. Do we? Okay. <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> okay. So we're going to jump in. And oh, before we do that, hope everybody is well. Hope you're all getting your vaccinations. Hope you're all staying safe and healthy. Don't forget to check out the Amy book and our Amy audiobook, which is all going to be coming out very soon, which is very exciting for us here at the University of Pleasure. Now I got all that out of the way. Blah, 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 blah. Back to the email. Dear Dr. Tara Jansen and Dr. Jeremiah James. That's not what it says. I'm reading it along with you. That's not what it says. There's no doctor in front of Jeremiah James. I'm a doctor of love. No, you're not. Keep okay, going. Fine. Okay. Hey, guys. My name is Anonymous D. 
I recently started listening to your podcast a few months ago because my boyfriend and I were talking about trying consensual non-monogamy, and I wanted to learn more about it. This is actually the first podcast I have ever enjoyed listened to, so thank you for introducing me into the world of podcasts. I want to be very clear that we did not pay anyone to say that. that so is, I feel very I feel very excited about that. I do <laughs> too, actually. I actually was really like that was when I first read it, like when we got the email and I was checking our email box, I was like, I did one of those things where I clutched my pearls a little bit. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's so nice of Validation. <laughs> she goes on to say, I've been in a weird situation the past few weeks, and at the end of your podcast, you say, feel free to reach out and tell you our thoughts. So I thought I'd reach out and to see if you guys could answer my questions or have any insight to my situation. So I am a bisexual woman. My boyfriend and I have been together for over four years and have talked numerous times in the past about giving ENM a shot. But I for, have for never... Those of you one second. For those of you out there that don't know what that is, it's another word for consensual non-monogamy. It's ethical non-monogamy. That's, that's right. what ENM is. And that's Please what continue. I like. I usually I like to say ENM. ENM is my is my go-to. What was the other one you like to say? Consensual non-monogamy. Consensual non-monogamy. I still like ENM better. Anyway, but I had never had any interest in being with someone else romantically or sexually. The catalyst of our current situation is that I met a guy who comes through my work every single day that I just think is so sexy. For the sake of anonymity, I will call him Andrew. So Andrew, who sounds really sexy, by the way, man, right? Like sexy Andrew. Just so far. So, so far, yeah. Like he comes through and he's like, I'm Andrew. <laughs> so Andrew would come through every day and I decided I would actually try to flirt with him, assuming there's no way this will ever escalate outside of a harmless work flirt. Fast forward about two months of me attempting to make mo my most flirty conversations and prolonged eye contact, my coworkers decided enough was enough and out my phone number on his cup. And by oh, saying that, I'm, I'm going to clear it up. I'm, making, you know, I'm just reading it off the page. So, you know, outed her phone number by putting it on his cup because she is a barista. There you have it. Make sense now? Yes. You with me, Doc? I'm with you. To my surprise, three weeks later, he messaged me and invited me out. So I went with a friend to meet him, and we had a good discussion. Got to know each other, and I found out he was going through a really tough breakup and was just absolutely devastated. I informed him that I'm in a relationship and don't want a new relationship if that was his intention here, even though I was completely interested in having a sexual relationship with him, I did not want to make the situation about me and felt it was more necessary to support him and be friendly because of what he was going through, which I think is really nice of her, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that is very sweet. I thought that was really sweet. sweet. <laughs> he said he respected that and he would like to be friends. I say, sure. I Can I just pause really quickly because I don't want to, because she's got some questions at the end that we'll talk about, but like, uh, I really appreciate her like honesty and directness already yeah. in terms of like where she's at and being just forthright about that. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, cause we always say here, communication is key. It's all about communication. And here she's being very communicative about where she is, where he is and taking it into consideration. I think it's great. Yeah. You, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, where was I? 
He said he respected that and would like to be friends still. Okay. I say sure. I invite him out a few days later, which, as you talked about in your last podcast, felt weird to me because I had reservations on being friends with someone that I'm attracted to. And he was surprisingly very communicative about his feelings and similar reservations. He explained that he does not know if having a new relationship or friendship with a woman is in his best interest right now because he is attracted to me and he may develop feelings for me. So I tell him I completely understand that. The feeling is mutual and to do what he needs to do to heal and move past this breakup. But I'm also beginning a consensual non-monogamy relationship with my partner and would be willing to open that up to have sex with him if and when he ever felt ready. So far, hyper mature. Yeah. Like, I'm just <laughs> well so impressed. Done. I'm so, so impressed. Great. Good, good. Keep going. All right. The doc's giving you two thumbs up. <laughs> Here we go. A few days later, he comes through my work drive through with a girl who I think was his ex-girlfriend. And I just so happened to be helping them. He very quickly messaged me after leaving, saying that, he was not with that girl in any way, and then he said he would like to have a physical relationship with me and give casual sex a try for once. I say yes, which I think is a great answer, by the way. That was a <laughs> with you. I say yes, and I tell him I need some time to discuss my boundaries with my partner. Also good. Super Good. So good. A plus so far on the navigating. Can so much openness and just being clear with people. Seriously. I like it so far. I mean, I, I gotta be honest, because I know our listeners are probably listening to this. Like they wrote this. Like they had to have written this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to we did like, not turn around and be like, all the things you guys always talk about just happen to end up in this email. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they happen to say that they really like your email, like exactly. your podcast, and, and that it's that, great. They, that your <laughs> podcast introduced them to all podcasts. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody out there. We really did not write this or have a friend write it for us. This was an anonymous person. So let me get back we to know, it now. No, we know that we didn't because I don't have the time and you don't have the patience to write it. You already this know one. this went more than a paragraph. So you know I didn't write it. So, <laughs> so she says, discuss my boundaries with my partner. He said, absolutely. He'll respect any boundaries I have and that he would like both of us, Andrew and I, to be STD and COVID tested. Pleasantly surprised, I agree and made my appointment and then talked to my boyfriend. I told him everything, and we discussed me having casual sexual relationship with Andrew. He was fully supportive after we figured out our boundaries. So fast forward to last week, Andrew and I are having a good conversation. He got tested brought his sister, who I've already met, and his friend through my work, and they all made a point to say hello to me before driving away, even though I was nowhere near our window or order window at the time. So, so I am clearly assuming he told them both about our situation, and they are supportive because they were so nice. And the next day, Saturday, I told him, I'm going to be gone for about five days and invited him to hang out with me on my last day in town after I was off work. He said he couldn't do it that day, but he would really enjoy doing that soon. So I said maybe next week, and he said that sounds great, 
kissy face, whatever. <laughs> Cute little see you later kind of a text. I messaged him maybe three days later to let him know I was available on so-and-so days this week, and he never responded. I know he is starting a new job, and his hours are 1 a.m. to 11 a.m., which, by the way, sounds horrible. That just sounds awful. I mean, I couldn't work from 1 a.m. to 11 a.m. I think I'd, I'd put my, poke my eyeballs out. I mean, good for him for having <laughs> that job, but like that's that sounds like a rough schedule, doesn't it, Doc? That Wake sounds up. super rough. Okay. Anyway, that's... I just didn't think I was crazy. We've talked about that, and he has expressed how big of a transition of this will be for him and how he will need some medication for sleep at the beginning. So I figured he has just been getting adjusted to the new routine, which is, you know, fair, because if he's taking mm -hmm. medication and I mean, that, that's a hard schedule to get on. Like I said, it's a hard oh, schedule in general. That's a but, tough transition. Yeah, it's that's a tough super one. tough. So she's being real very impact, understanding. Real impact on mood and energy levels oh, as an God. aside. Big league. Big league. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and by the way, she's being very understanding, and I think that's cool, right? Mm hmm So we've talked about that, and he expressed how big of a transition that would be for him, and the medications, I figured, blah, 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 blah. It was not typically out of character for him to respond after a day or two, and I'm the same way. I am not a very avid texter, but it had been two days since I texted him and five days since we last conversed, so I messaged him with past Thursday or this past Thursday and just said, hey, hope this week was going well and I'm free tonight if you wanted to meet up. It's now Monday of the next week and still no response from him. What do you think? What are you thinking here, Doc? Keep going. All right. I don't know. I just was I was getting I was getting the spidey senses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep all going. Right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, some pushy. <laughs> I know you have touched on ghosting and rejection in your podcast before, and this is my first time in a situation like this where I felt vulnerable to someone who is not my primary partner and am feeling very hurt. However, the reason I am reaching out is because I'm not sure if he is ghosting me. He still comes through my work every single day. I just haven't been at work. I'd assume if he was avoiding me, he would or to avoid me because he's I'm not interested conversation and was ghosting me, he would avoid coming into my work every day as well. I can't really think of an explanation for why he has not texted me besides genuinely being busy or being back with his ex-girlfriend. I am emailing you guys to see if you have any insight into my situation. Am I being naive to be giving him the benefit of the doubt, or am I just jumping to conclusions based off one week without texting? Since he still comes into my work, what is the most respectful and composed way to navigate my inevitable next in-person conversation with him? Do I touch the texting subject or ask if he's still interested in the sexual relationship? Or do I just talk to him like I normally would and keep it lighthearted? Is there a way to do both? This level of vulnerability, both in my primary relationship and in this new possible relationship with Andrew, can sometimes feel overwhelming. Is this something people often feel when engaging in ENM or only in the beginning stages where there is so much uncertainty? Are these feelings of sadness over rejection appropriate, even though I have a dedicated primary partner who loves me and is so present? 
Thanks for taking the time to listen to me. Please feel free to use my story and if you'd like, or you can always email me back as well. I'd love to hear your feedback on my situation and situations similar to mine. Best wishes, Anonymous D. Well, all I can say is right now, I kind of love Anonymous D. Like, she just sounds so sweet. Like, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean... she sounds really sweet. This <laughs> is like, I just, I want to talk about like, I think actually like I like a lot of the questions she asked because like, honestly, I feel like I've had those people asking those com like questions both personally and professionally, like definitely in my office, like hundreds of times. Absolutely. And I think that, yeah, and I think her questions are so valid. But I also want to say like, really impressed with the level of like thoughtfulness. Like if we talk about consensual non-monogamy, right? Like when people enter that, one of the things we've talked about here before on the podcast, and we should probably do more episodes on cons like some consensual non-monogamy stuff, but like, cause we've kind of just touched on it. Right? Sure, sure. Yeah. But this idea of like, especially, especially when starting out, I would always be a proponent of having thoughtful dialogue, but when starting out, like like, I think rather than just being like, and, and honestly, most of the people I know that engage in consensual non-monogamy do it with a fair amount of thoughtfulness. And there is this like, um, sort of misperception culturally that consensually non-monogamous people or people in, people in open relationships are just like having this free for all, you know, I know yeah. like, like, we're like, woo, no, no, free. it's all just off the wall party yeah, time. Well, like no rules, like no. Right. And, and what I really enjoy is like, this is a really good example of a lot of people that are doing this are so thoughtful yeah. about what they're doing. And they're really putting a lot of work into clear communication, even when it's anxiety provoking. And so I just want to, yeah, give like super kudos. To yeah. That I piece. mean, across the board, like across the board, like, I mean, and the testing, getting tested, people saying, oh. hey, get tested. Oh, super responsible. I want to talk in a minute about her questions around like, <laughs> yeah, he didn't get back to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> say, everything up until that point. Well done. Yeah. Just but, really know, well done. It just on Very her impressed. end, man. I mean, everything she talks about. I, I was just uh, uh, genuinely so touched at, at how in touch she was in in with herself, her feelings, and then also talking to her partner, which is hard. I mean, that's hard working Especially out those when boundaries. It's new, when yeah. it's new. It's so scary. It is so scary. And like I I just really appreciate all of that. I do want to talk about while we have time. <laughs> well, we <laughs> do have time, but I think this is a good time to take a break. Okay. And then let's come back and we're going to jump into, you know, breaking it down, Doc, for, you know, Anonymous D and the rest of our listeners out there. What do you say? Excellent. Good. That's a like, great DJ name, by the way. <laughs> Anonymous D? Yeah. You know, my, you know what my DJ name is? No. JJ the DJ? Yeah. Oh my God. And let's take a break. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back. So, it's your old pal JJ the DJ here. Oh, jeez. Well, I mean, you brought it up. I'm just, you know. I mean, I'm TJ, so could I be TJ the DJ? Oh, that's so sweet. JJ the DJ and TJ the DJ. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a little too much, actually. I, I don't <laughs> think so. I Listen, you know me. I'm all about m more. Like, give me more. And mm. I dig this. So, that might just be... I'm going to change your name around on the phone. It's going to just yeah. say... TJ the DJ. Anyway, let's Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah James, master of subtlety, said no one ever. <laughs> that is true. It is so true. That's why it's funny. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we talk about these questions? Yes, this back to it, please. It's, I'm presuming young. I don't know why, but there's. it just sounds like, the, I don't know. I'm making assumptions. I don't know their age, so I shouldn't presume yeah, young. You know what Mama know says about assuming. Okay. I shouldn't presume. I have no idea their age, so who knows? This could be someone. I didn't say presume. I said assume. Okay. Do you know what that means? You know that when somebody says, you know, you know what assuming means. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Just making clear for our audience, it means if you assume something, it could make an ass out of you and me. There yeah. it is. Thank it's... you, Grandma. Thank you, Mom. Thank you for all the knowledge. <laughs> Here we go. Like... All right. I want to talk about like. So I have a suspicion, like, because this came to us and then we saw it and who knows how this has played out, right? Like, cause it's, Yes, it might, it might already be over. She might have already handled it. And by the way, Anonymous D, when you hear this episode and you get our email response that your episode is coming, please let us know how it goes. You know, yeah. please, please send us a message and how it worked. And, you know, we're keeping good thoughts for you. So right. let and the also, doc break it down. And also, and also maybe an e email that was like, you all were totally wrong. And it actually played out this way. <laughs> You are, you are actual hacks, please. Yeah, everything you said was total crap. Everything um, anyway. was incorrect, and it all worked out the exact way I wanted it to. <laughs> well, I think really like when I'm like these questions about ghosting and rejection, right? Like this is such a common, and we're gonna do a whole episode on ghosting. I am I'm, I'm I have some things in the works, and I want to do a whole episode on ghosting and why people ghost, why why we ghost, uh, why it's something that we struggle with, but. You know, I, I think that this like I, I read these questions, right, like this, these kind of like series of questions like, um, you know, do I touch on the subject? What do I do? Right. Like it creates such this sense of like this lack of control yeah. for people because she brought up like uh, the idea of, of ambiguity. And I think that that's why it's so that's so anxiety. It's so anxiety provoking when someone's ghosting you mm -hmm. because there's so much ambiguity about what the hell is going on, especially in a scenario like this to be very fair to her. Yeah, I'm in it. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Nothing. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just now nothing. And that happens all the time. Yes, it does. And, you know, I don't know how to really answer the question of like, you know, are you being fair or not fair? Because, you know, in my experience, like I'll have sessions with people around, um, you know, someone they're really excited about and they're telling me about them in one session. And then the next session, I'm like, so what happened? And they'll be like, uh, I chickened out. Right. <laughs> right. You right. know, like, or I didn't text them because I got anxious about A, B, C, and D, or because I started a new work schedule that's from 1 a.m. to 11 a.m. And I got really caught up. And then I got, I felt weird because I just wasn't in a good brain space for it. And like, there's so many reasons that people don't text back. Right. Yep. And I think yep. it's really hard when you're in the position of being ghosted because when we don't have enough data, our brains sort of try to write the story itself. Right. Yeah. We but fill we, in the blanks. We make up our own uh, narratives. Right. We make up our own narratives, but unfortunately without like any of the data we need. And I think that that's always a really hard thing in a situation like this. So I want to go back to her question. Am I naive to be giving him the benefit of the doubt or am I jumping to conclusions based off one week without texting? I don't think that it's naive to give someone the benefit of the doubt. In I agree. Fact, in fact, I think it's healthy. Even if you're wrong, 
even if he something happened or I, the way that he's behaved, I really don't think it is something like he was just a sociopath that was luring you. It really doesn't seem like it. it. I, listen, I totally agree here with you. Right. And I think again, we I think you know I'm feeling a lot of synergy again today, which which feels really nice because we're so <laughs> on the same page. Because I really think uh, you know, I think it's a good thing. I, maybe it's like a glass half full kind of a thing. I don't know, not half empty. Like I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if they end up proving you wrong, you know, you shouldn't feel foolish because, you know, you don't want to always go to like a negative place if, you know, especially, you know, like his life is getting in. I always tell people, man, the world gets in the way sometimes. You know what I mean? Right. Like well, give people but, the benefit of the doubt. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also to add to that, like this idea of like choosing to trust, choosing to give someone the benefit of the doubt, even if you get disappointed sometimes is a much, much happier way to live. Agreed. Right? Because that just means occasionally you're having to deal with disappointment versus seeing the world through this like suspicious, cynical lens, which is really much more uncomfortable and much more difficult. And so I, me personally, from a psychological health perspective, would rather be naive and overly trusting than cynical and suspicious. I am so with you on that. A hundred percent. My God, it's like I am in your mind today. (laughs) Well, good, good. It's a mess (laughs) there. I'm just going to say. It it is. It is. (laughs) But so I don't think that that's naive. I don't think that's naivete to give someone the benefit of the doubt. I think it's a healthy thing. And I think it's a smart thing. And even if somebody isn't going to come through in the way that you want, it doesn't mean that you were naive to to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, And in regard to your question about like, am I jumping to conclusions? I don't... I don't really know it's about that it's about jumping to conclusions. What did you say? That I'm jumping to conclusions based off one week without him texting. I don't to me that's not really jumping to conclusions. I think it's just worry. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like it sounds like you're just worried, right? About this person not texting you back, which is fair because I wanna be I could see most people in that scenario, right? And I've talked to a lot of people in that scenario where it's like I got all the cues, you know, it wasn't just like, and especially in a case like this, this wasn't just some like, hey, somebody winked at me a couple times at work. No, no, we had a dialogue about us having sex. Yeah, and the that's other person not just like, you know, about. I totally agree. You weren't just doing a little flirty, flirty eyes. Like you guys actually sat down and had like an in-depth conversation about, hey, what about if we actually ended up naked together? Like, like that's, right, like a, that's he, a little more in-depth. Well, and he reached out to you saying that that's something that he'd want. So, like, I don't think that you being confused or, like, what's happening, that doesn't seem like a weird thing. Now, do I know why, quote, unquote, Andrew is not texting you back? Of course not. But it could be a variety of factors, right? It could be, you know, the new job stuff. It could be a mix of that with the stressor of being out of a relationship. It could be, and this happens often, as somebody that talks to people regularly about why they didn't follow through on a thing they wanted to do, it's rarely about the other person. It's more often about like, I got scared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. More Their often. own insecurity popped up or God knows what, you know, but it right. usually, or yeah. I got scared about the idea of being hurt again. I got excited about someone and then that freaked me out because maybe I was recently hurt or recently had some difficulties and I kind of froze around it. And then This other really fascinating thing that happens to all of us as humans happens where we avoid something and then we avoid it a little too long and then we go, oh, no, 
I'm avoiding. And then we're anxious about avoiding. So then we keep avoiding more. Like people are like, ah, it's been too long. It already took me a few days. Now it would just be weird if I texted. Right. 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 And and I don't know that that's what's happening with this, Andrew, but that's a really common phenomenon that I talk to people about where they're like, well, I realized that it took me too long and then I got worried about that. And so then I just kept avoiding because it felt easier. Um, okay. So uh, that's all great. So, but what about if he comes actually in and they got to have a conversation? Can <laughs> I love we get that, to, by the way. Can we get I to love, that? Yeah. But I do love that. Uh, yeah. 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 That's all great. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is, to me, this is, this is like the big, okay. this is super yeah. important here, Doc. Like, fair you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. You got to move me along. It, it's fair. All right. Correct. So what if he comes in, right? You know, I think different people can, I think you honestly, this is where people hate me because I'm like, well, you can play it either way, right? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> well, it's because I don't know this person, right? And like you would have a more in-depth conversation, right? Like this isn't, we're not in therapy right now. I can't have the same kind of thoughtfulness. So without that information, it's kind of hard to say like you should do A because there's a couple things around that. Ugh, I, this is where our synergy is falling apart like uh, before yes. my eyes. I know because my bend is always going to be to the idea of people doing what feels right to them. Because I have a really, you know, when I talk about like this, you you love it, Jeremiah, when I'm like, you don't know anybody shit. That's right. right. That's the best. Okay. So it's part of that idea. Like, I think a lot of times we feel like there's some something we're supposed to do. And oftentimes I encourage people to be reflective about what they want to do. Right. If if you feel like I need some freaking closure, <laughs> like this was weird. If you feel like you need closure, if somebody comes in and you want, you'd be well within your right to be like, come over here for one second. Here's your latte. Also, right. we can talk about it maybe later in a more appropriate spot. But what happened? Yeah. Like, what up, dude? What up? Right. And you that know, would be, by the way, that would be Jeremiah and James's advice. Because, listen, you opened up. You were very you know, uh, communicative, like we always talk about here at the University of Pleasure. You you did the boundaries. You went and did, like you put the effort in. You went and got tested and got a COVID test. I had that test. It's like the same test they do for gonorrhea, but up your nose and it hurts like hell. Well, both of them hurt, be frank. But my point is you went and did your due diligence and not necessarily got ghosted because I we don't know, right? But you're well within your right to just be like, you don't, and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, rude or like, hey, man, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, it's I, just like, hey, I, I don't know really what seems... happened. Like, you seem like a nice guy, and I thought we were kind of jamming, but just kind of want to know. Like, no big deal. Either way. Like, just want to answer. Yeah. Well, and I think, like you said, do I just talk to him? Like, I normally wouldn't keep it lighthearted. I think you can acknowledge what's happened and still hundred percent and still keep it you by the way you sound like a very polite sweet person so i have a suspicion that it would probably be outside your character anyway to be super like aggressive i don't know you but yeah yeah no it doesn't really based on everything else you're saying it seems like you're probably pretty good at being appropriate so i think part of it is is being direct you can be that's the thing um, you can be kind and direct. You can be light heart, you know, maybe not lighthearted is the right word, but I think you can still be casual and be direct. And I think that there would be a difference between to me, you know, if I had the lean one way or another, I think that the avoidance of it would just create more tension. Um, and if not more tension, more angst for you not having just a basic answer. Wouldn't you agree, doc? Like, listen, let's say he never comes in. 
right? Again. Yeah. Right? And to, but, yep. Well, I mean, you just kept saying, yep. So, I mean, I didn't, you know, say anything. You're, you're, go. <laughs> can, I, can I say it now? Hey, gosh. You see what I have to deal with? Do you all see? It's so difficult to get a word in edgewise when you're dealing with the doctor. <laughs> <sighs> was that too much drama? Was it too much drama? Did I, was it a little thick? It was a little thick. Should I dial it back? Keep, yep, keep going. I what don't remember the saying? question now. <laughs> <laughs> Your statement was, let's say he never comes back in. I honestly don't remember. It was something about, like, you know, if, in fact, he didn't, you know, closure for that person. Like, if you never had that chance, like, you know, how would you feel, like, you know, if you didn't, even if, so if he was coming in, I think this is what it was. I'm thinking. Okay, I think what it was is like if he's coming in and you never had that conversation, right? You didn't ask what really happened and you just had a basic, hey, how's, how's you know, your dog? And then like you didn't talk about the, the, the elephant in the room, the way you were feeling. And then he never came back in. Then you never, you know, got a chance to get that kind of closure. And that could cause you personal angst of like, man, I should have never, I mean, maybe I should ask that question. Because there are ways to do it without being a squeaky wheel and and, and rude. Do you follow what I'm saying here, Doc? Like, Yeah, that- I do. I also think that kind of to your point around like what that what if, right? Like people, oh, we, we get really stuck, all of us in the what ifs, right? Every single one of Every us. Every human. What if, what if he never comes back in and you never hear from him again. Well, part of it is even thinking about playing out that what if, right? Like that's something that could potentially happen. Is that pleasant to think about? No, but could you handle it? Probably. You sound like a pretty smart, bright person to me, right? Like I believe you probably could. Part of handling like a what if scenario like that is saying, well, you know, that'd kind of suck and I'd be disappointed, but I'd probably get through. And this idea of like sometimes rather than trying to figure out how to make sure nothing bad happens, it's about investing in your own resilience if something disappointing does happen, right? Right, right. Because life does have disappointments. You might have put a lot of work and energy into this person, and I hope you do hear from him. I hope you can have some closure. But at the same time, you might not get that because a lot of people don't get closure around certain things. Some things do remain ambiguous. And all you can do is try to focus on like, well, I did what I could do. That's exactly. Yes. Yes. I controlled what I could control in this scenario. And frankly, good for me. (laughs) Yes. Like to me, I look at this and I say, this is such a healthy thing. You took a risk. You tried something. And that takes bravery, right? Like no risk, no reward. It's cheesy, but it's true. Yep. If if you do not put your if, if it's not a little anxiety provoking, it's probably not that interesting. Yep. Let's be agreed. Like, anything worth having is worth like the risk of it not working out. And this doesn't mean even if this person doesn't reconnect, it would like break my heart if like this person didn't reconnect with you or you didn't find out what happened or it didn't work out. If you lost any of what you just did in this scenario with this person, right? right? Like that would bum me out because you did. This is, I think, the way to go about things, which is like, I'm going to go for something that I want. I'm going to be direct and honest about what it is. And also, by the way, with what sounds like a high degree of appropriateness and politeness and good social skills across the board. And I think it's it's really about like and sometimes you can do a really great job and it just doesn't work out in the direction you want. Now, like I said, I don't know, maybe she's going to write us back and be like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, um, if you do write us back, we'll do a follow up. We'll let all the fans know. We'll let everybody right. know. Um, But 
the other thing I wanted to say too, beyond that, is just some of these, I wanted to respond to a couple of these questions that were more specifically about consensual non-monogamy. Yeah. If I can't. No, no, no. Well, I, I wanted to, yeah, because I wanted to get to the place where, you know, about the feelings of it and yeah. is it just the beginning stages or because I think that's really important and I got some thoughts for that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, th this question, is this level of this level of vulnerability both in my primary relationship and this new poss in this new possible relationship with Andrew can sometimes feel overwhelming. Is this something people often feel when engaging in ENM or only in the beginning stages when there is so much uncertainty? I would say this is something. Yes, yes, and yes. Yes, I, think I would say is, I would say it's all of the above. Right. I think it's also something that's just whether you're consensually non-monogamous, whether you're monogamous, anything new, putting yourself out there with a new person, putting yourself in a position to be rejected, putting yourself in a position to maybe not have things go the way you want is going to feel really vulnerable. And it is going to feel sometimes overwhelming. And to me, you just described probably one of the most human experiences I can think of when someone's taking healthy risks. Hey, there you go. See that, that right there. If that wasn't an A plus for what you did and uh, through this process, D, I don't know what is. That's high praise from the doc right there. Right. And I want to, <laughs> I'm like, that yes, like, and. That's, that's high praise from the doc. Right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I got it. I wanted to, I feel like you're going to like tell me it's almost time. Soon. No, we've got time here. We got a little time. Oh, that's very rare in our experience on this podcast. <laughs> this, but I am really this like question. Are these feelings of sadness over rejection appropriate, even though I have a dedicated primary partner who loves me and is present? Yes. Yes. Why, why do you say yes? I say Jeremiah. yes because I could see that you were going to say yes and I wanted to say yes too. So I didn't feel, sound like I didn't know what I was talking about. Well, now that we paused and you're able to engage in some critical thinking, Jeremiah, why would you say yes to this? No. <laughs> so I, I would say yes um, because you're, it's still, you know, when you're putting yourself out there, uh, even though you have a primary partner, nobody likes to be rejected. Nobody likes that feeling. It's not a good feeling. It doesn't matter whether you have an amazing partner at home who loves you and cares for you. In the ENM world, you know, you're putting yourself out there both sexually and emotionally and all these different things. And you can set yourself up to be rejected and that can happen. That's why the doc was saying earlier that it's brave to put yourself out in the way that you did, but it still comes with it. Like being ghosted hurts, you know, being right. tossed off in, in not tossed off, that's too dramatic, but you know, being feeling that way as if you were being, you know, tossed off is it, that it, it's rejection. It sucks. Nobody likes yeah. it. And it no. and it's amazing because you can go home to your partner who does love you, but it still still hurts, still stings. Well, how it was that? Be... How was my answer? Before we talk yes. to her, how was my answer? It was great. I think what I would add to your answer of is course. that, or just really expand, it's a great answer, but how I would expand on it is this, like you can have, let's put it in a different context. There are lots of people that have really loving partners that are dedicated and they're present. And then they have a friend reject them or they get turned down 100%. for a job. It has nothing to do with sex, right? Like right. if it was just a vanilla friend, that would right. hurt. A friend rejects them or they get turned down for a job or maybe they don't get from a parent or a, a sibling or something like something happens that they don't they're not getting what they need in terms of feeling maybe love or affection like you can have the world's best partner, but 
that doesn't make you resilient to the pain of rejection or the pain of trying to connect with someone in some kind of way and not having that work out. There you right? go. There you go. And I would also like to add to the prior question about sometimes feeling overwhelming. Is this something people often feel when engaging in ENM or only in the beginning stages where there is so much uncertainty? I would have to say from personal experience, and I want your thoughts on this, Doc. I think it happens throughout in every yes. aspect of ENM. It's an ebb and flow. It's, you know, you might feel really great and not overwhelmed and feeling awesome. And then, you know, there might be a moment where you feel really overwhelmed because of uh, the boundaries have to change between you and your primary partner, right? Or, you know, the boundaries might need to be adjusted and talked about with, you know, your E&M partner. I think, you know, there's an ebb and flow to it. What do you think of that? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Thank you. Because it's not just the beginning that is uncertain. And the beginning, don't get me wrong, it can be amplified in the beginning because it's new. But Uncertainty shows up everywhere in life. Correct. Uncertainty is always showing up. Nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is certain, right? Mm -hmm. And as would be true in a monogamous relationship, sometimes people run into snafus or difficulties or challenges, and maybe those challenges end up being amazing, but they didn't expect them. And it would be the same in any consensually non-monogamous relationship where you would run into some of these uncertainties. Right. And and I, I do think, and I want to figure out how to frame it correctly here because it's, you know, it's a little complicated, but like, you know, I, I think we've kind of cultured this belief that like love, like having like this idea of like, I have a primary partner who loves me and is present that like in movies, it's sort of like, I have someone's love. Now everything else is fine. <laughs> 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 right? Like that's every Disney movie ever. Right. But the reality is like, wow, it is so nice to have someone's love and affection. And does it make life easier? Yes. Right? In a lot but of ways. But it doesn't make you impenetrable. That's right. It, it, you know, nobody's love is capable of doing that for you. Why? Because, you know, like that's just not how we're designed as humans. Correct. It helps. It helps feel supported. It it totally helps. But I don't think that there would be any – I don't think that there's anything mm, like maladaptive or problematic about being like, hey, I have someone that really loves me and I still feel rejected at the same time by this other person. To me, I just go, well, that makes a lot of sense because this is a stressful situation that you took some risks and at least from what we know in the present – uh, it didn't quite work out or isn't quite in work, working out the way that you had anticipated, which, by the way, your anticipation based on lots of data that someone was interested in. Correct. <laughs> Correct. I was just thank you for that. Cause get out of my head because I was going to say, like, there was a lot of info in there, like signaling to like, this is going to go great. Like, you know, this person's interested. So don't and, feel strange, Anonymous D, you know, that, you know, there's no mixed signals based on what you were saying here. Like that's somebody says, yeah. I'm into this. Please go get tested and get tested for COVID and meet my sister. And I'm going to keep coming every day. <laughs> like, I mean, that's a lot of signals that like, hey, man, this is going pretty fucking well. Right. right. Well, and just because even if you never hear from Andrew again, I have a suspicion you probably will. But even if you never hear from Andrew again, doesn't mean he wasn't interested in you. That's All right. of his behavior suggests that he is. He is interested in you. But his interest in you might be getting interfered with, right, with his own, I don't know, life schedule, recent breakup, insecurities, other variables that you have no idea about because you just met this person, right? That is and right. 
right? And there's maybe a lot of aspects of who he is or what he's working out in his life that um, make it difficult to maybe have him follow through on those interests in the way that maybe, you know, in those moments where he said like, yes, I want to, I, I put my money down that that felt real to him in those moments. That I he agree. meant that. That he meant that. Like I said, most people, it's not about like, oh, I'm just going to play this person. I mean, don't be wrong. Some people do that and play games. But the majority of people, like when they say like, yeah, I want to do that, it's because they really do. But something else usually that has to do with something that's going on in their life in another area or maybe has gone on recently in terms of their kind of emotional well-being or whatever it might be interferes. Agreed. And I think that is the perfect spot to wrap it up, Doc. What do I, you, you know what? I'm done. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's a miracle. Oh, but can you tell people – I'm so appreciative uh, for uh, Anonymous D writing in. And again, I'm just incredibly impressed. So like, you know, for me, it's sort of like, you know, in terms of like what what you did, I'd be like, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. I think you did a great job. I think this is one of those scenarios where it's more about navigating the difficult emotions of like sometimes you take a risk and maybe it's not panning out in the way that you needed it to or wanted it to. But that doesn't mean that you're not a super resilient person. And honestly, my hope for you would be is even if it doesn't work out with this Andrew person, that you use the same approach. Because frankly, it's like gold star A plus approach. Agreed. I just want to thank you so much, Anonymous D, for writing in. Thank you so much, Doc, for taking the time and, and throwing out all that knowledge. I, I really totally agree with you across the board. On, uh, you know, I, I think th that her approach was awesome and she gets a gold star. A, just it was awesome. I mean, you put yourself out there. Maybe it didn't work out. But, you know, I think it was amazing that you at least tried. And I hope you continue to explore E&M and maybe find somebody else that you could explore with. And it's, an, it's a fun adventure. But, you know. There's a lot of uh, nerves that come along with that and, and rejection stuff, but it's all good because, like the doc says, she thinks you're a resilient person. I think you're a resilient person, and <laughs> I think you're going to do great. So, uh, If people want, by the way, we really appreciate this story. If people want to write in with other stories, right? We have our could have been better sex stories. Love yes. those. Yes. Advice, sort of questions, things like that. Do you want to give them the contact info, Jeremiah? It is contact at universityofpleasure.com. Again, that is contact at universityofpleasure.com. Write in. And like we say at right. the end of the show, even if or it's just a really, you know, fun yeah, sex can, story. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Jeremiah. Or you can DM us on Instagram. Too. Oh, that's right. Because that's, that's what the kids are doing now. But most importantly, what we always want to make sure that our listeners know is obviously this is very generalized. And when we're, you know, going through something like this, um, you know, please, if you're really struggling out there, go find someone to talk to either in your inner circle or maybe even find yourself a therapist if you're really having a hard time who can actually truly individualize this for you and give you the ability to talk it out with a professional in a professional setting. So please always remember we're here to help and we're here to entertain, but it's not a replacement for clinical services. Right, Doc? Yes. Yes, always 100% yes. You know, we do we uh, we we do our best, but there's so much stuff we can't know about situations and so yeah. the people that you know, your supports and professionals that you seek around certain issues are always going to have a better capacity to help when people get stuck. There it is. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for everything you do, Doc, as per always, and we'll be talking to you again next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.
This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.